So as I mentioned in our blog previously on episode 204 of Mixish called Living on a Prayer, um, Rainbow decides it's time for her to explore the Christian faith. And it was fun seeing her love the experience of church and the Bible so much. In the end, she decided she would explore all faiths, being the inclusive biracial type A she is. Um, but Toronto, what did you think about this episode? I re- yeah, I really identified with this episode um, because of the way faith, the, the role that faith played in my um, kind of coming of age story mm-hmm. as well. I really identified with Rainbow um, in terms of being attracted to the scripture and the mm-hmm. Bible and obviously to um, what I feel like is an amazing love story of, you know, Jesus's love for us. Um, so I really um, thought this was a deep episode. And I know we're going to get there because the interwoven fibers of race and culture and religion and faith, and it was just, it was deep. And again, I'm quite amazed by the writers and how they yeah. pull this off in a half an hour. I know. It's, yeah, we talk about it a lot that just how deep they go, but it's a sitcom. So it's lighthearted. So it's almost, it's this gentle way of, displaying the, the it's packed girl. Yeah. every second if you blink you every will miss line. a very loaded little line mm, or a very mm. loaded little glance and they really pack it in and i feel like this is one of those episodes that people who i've talked to about the show they say well it's too it's just too um it just glosses over the surface and like yeah. oh, it's a, it's a half hour sitcom so mm-hmm. let's not documentary let's take it for what it is um, I feel like for detractors, this may be another one where it was just mm-hmm. too much of a heavy topic for a sitcom to handle, right? But there's some some truth in it. Mm-hmm. A lot of truth. Definitely. And then meanwhile, Alicia finds that she didn't realize how much she had been missing her childhood church and decides it's time for her to start attending again. And Paul is concerned, but still supportive. And his facial expressions at the family sit down as they sit down for dinner and Bo and all the others are, you know, bow their heads to, to pray. He just represents that skeptic's perspective as well, you know, and yeah. he does a really good job at it. And Harrison is also biting, um, you know, with his remarks as he is the doubting Catholic, so to speak, who shows he's more about the culture of the Catholicism than he is about the faith. And then Denise uses this opportunity to show off her fashion sense. (laughs) So so you can imagine how Santi is loving every moment of that. What was your favorite line from the show? Because again, they did pack them all in. Yeah, it was packed. And I mean, even just the the innuendo there, I'll just give a few innuendos. The Pee Wee Herman reference. Oh my gosh, I didn't even catch that. One of the young women that (laughs) Bo was on the phone with, um, Mm. you know, it's talking about, I, I can't even remember the exact moment, but she had gotten on the phone talking about how she had to like sneak out to go to church. Right? Yeah. Oh. And she, and she went into the closet to four way her friends on a call. And anyway, she, someone mentioned one of the, you know, they each had a little reference and one of them was to like, well, my dad goes to the same movie theater that Pee Wee Herman does. Like <laughs> meaning I think these over there was this whole thing about money in the episode Mm. they touched on like money in the church yeah you know that fund for the air conditioner that never got fixed Mm -hmm. there was that innuendo about you know money and tithing and then there was um i think that was a reference to homosexuality in the church Mm. um the peewee herman line yeah (laughs) it's just like but my favorite was harrison's to answer your question okay um 
he said something about while he's pouring his alcohol during oh. the middle of the afternoon, talking about crack rock in the black <laughs> communities, right? Um, he talked about someplace, it, I don't remember where he was saying, it's like, it's where non-believers and Democrat, Democrats go to burn for eternity. <laughs> I don't know where the place was that he was talking about, yes. like hell, but the fact that he put non-believers and Democrats in the same. Oh my goodness. Another innuendo, right? Yes. I, what did he, he also said something about um, something about Jesus turning water into wine, not Henny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is so that's why, fun. yeah, because he was saying that's why Catholics. Like, yeah, he he's says like, Jesus is white. That's why he yes, turns water yes, into yes, wine, sorry, not yes. Henny. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was that hilarious. And then you actually have one of my favorite lines here um, about black. Was it about black? Oh, yeah, it was about black Jesus. Oh, my God. Yes. Just, because we had Black Jesus on the fans. They were cool enough. You know, you have to have your fans in church, in a hot, crowded yeah. little church. And there was Black Jesus on them. I appreciated, appreciated the fact that yes. they had that representation. And he's and we know, just, ironically, Rainbow's mother in Blackish. Oh, it's just like, oh, Black Jesus. Yes. Oh, and now. <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time. If you watch this season, Not it's funny true, because but... she starts saying, now Rainbow, adult bow, starts saying black Jesus a lot more this episode, this, this season. It's really funny. Um, when Alicia says, I felt something in there. I want to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, something to that effect. She's like, mm-hmm. you know, not realizing again how much she missed it. I think being there when she was younger, yes. but I think she was surprised that she may have been feeling a little bit of the Holy Stir- spirit Stir- in there. Stirring. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I appreciated her saying, Alicia saying a lot of the values and beliefs we had at the commune were found at the church with her, you know, discussion with Paul, who's like, why are we doing this? Why are mm-hmm. you, are you for real? We're going to start going to church now. Like mm-hmm. he's just all confused. Like, yeah. so now we're praying now we're going to church. What's going on? She's like, I just want to be open to this. It's well, okay. It definitely hits at that hints at that debate about church as an institution versus churches of belief system and a way of life mm-hmm. like it's a really interesting i think it's I a foundation yeah so i think that's what they were that did yeah that's what they were hinting at the kind of there yeah and then there's that you know that scripture Inclusion. teach them and teach the children the way they should go and they will never depart from it it's like she's coming back to the church mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a little something she's exploring there yeah. um yes and when you were referencing Bo talking to her friends i i mean there's so much to be said about her having to be in the closet with the phone to talk about church and the Bible and open she's, the Bible. Like she's, she's a secret out, Christian. Right, she's sneaking out and they pull back her jacket. Yeah. And she's got on a church dress. It was hilarious. Yes. But you know, I can identify with that. Not because my parents didn't want me to go to church, but because I was the one like going to church. Like, can you drop me off the church, please? Yes. Like, yes. So like, there's, you were driving it. I was craving it. That's, that's interesting. I, I just, it's just crazy. Yeah, it was, it was funny. Um, so, and, you know, obviously if you've listened to past episodes with Toronto and I, you know, that we, you know, we don't take Christianity lightly or, or the church. Um, it's very serious to us, but it's also a way that we can have some laughter, you know, and we are Christians and, um, and, you know, we understand that many of you may be having a hard time with, church with church in general and when it comes to race especially in america and you know it is the most segregated hour of the week as mlk jr declared decades ago 
So I suggest if you're seeking some advice on how to navigate race relations and your Christian faith, I would encourage you to explore Be the Bridge, who I've talked about before, um, at bethebridge.com and The Witness, past the mic podcasts and ministries at thewitnessbcc.com. We'll share this on our um, in the podcast info. And um, where both leaders, Latasha Morrison and Jameer Tisby, among others, lay down some facts for you all to ponder on and maybe even help restore your faith. Um, they have been both, both of them have been my go-tos for race in the church culture for several years now. And I'm, yeah, I have more to say about, especially past the mic in, in a few, but do you have any additional thoughts yeah. about just the controversy around all that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am someone who grew up going, who grew up, my, my mother's family was Methodist, white Methodist. I say white Methodist because it was not the AME church. You have to distinct. Um, very, distinctive. <laughs> uh, and so then I grew up going to that church in, in Seattle, Washington, all white churches I've been to. And then, then on the flip side, in college, I started going to all black Kojic churches. <laughs> so Kojic. I really, Kojic, Church of God in Christ. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Do yes. The acronym. Got it. Yes. So yes. my faith journey as a biracial woman, I was, I was just watching Rainbow because in the, mm -hmm. we should point out that in, yes, in the, this episode, it is a, is a, a very bad, a black Baptist church. Yes. It is uh, quintessential, I would yeah. say. And, um, you know, and then Harrison, of course, is representing this very kind of more stoic uh, Catholicism. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I think I've been in the range of that, not Catholic per se, but um, pro the, the range of Protestant churches. Um, and now I, I tend to fairly, fairly integrated, I guess, for what we consider um, diverse in Atlanta. It could be considered diverse for Atlanta, a church that's like that. But I, I identify with the swing. Yeah. experience yeah. and I would I was I would love to know what rainbow eventually ends up gravitating toward yeah well and I remember I, I vaguely remember the episode when the family goes to church and what that was like on blackish I think it was a few seasons ago I can't remember but they had their their church episode too Ooh, that must have been funny it, yes <laughs> you could imagine um yeah and it's it's so it just so happened that I think it was like the night after this particular episode aired, PBS began airing a docuseries on the Black Church by Henry Louis Gates Jr. called The Black Church. This is our story. This is our song based on his book. And I was very excited to see this documentary. I was in anticipation. Um, I'm a huge fan of Henry Louis Gates and his documentaries mm, yes. and have been watching Finding Our Roots series for the last seven years. Um, and it was surprising I was surprised it wasn't longer. I mean, four hours, you're packing in so much history in four hours, to be honest. Like, there's so much more that could be um, discovered and stories that could be told. And um, I ended up listening to the the post the post docuseries chat by the crew on Pass the Mic at The Witness. And they had so many important things to say, specifically I loved what they had to say about the current and future state of the church as a whole, black or white. And part of their discussion talked about how separate the generations are um, in many churches today are from each other during worship time and how, how what, you know, it wasn't like that for a long time. And then it's just gotten more, you know, everyone kind of goes to their corner when you walk in the church now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, if they're especially 
bigger buildings like a church we attend that has a lot of land. And so everybody's spread out almost in different buildings. Um, so now like just having the experience of God together as a family and the multi-generations, like I was with my grandmother and my grandfather during church and, you know, and my parents. And, um, I don't take that for granted. And they actually, in this particular podcast talked about a fuller theological school study that noted that more adults stay in the faith when they're in multi-generational churches. So there's something to be said about seeing our elders and children worshiping with us. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so as a child, I remember distinctly being able to worship with my parents and grandparents. We would have Sunday school, um, you know, by each grade, often before service, and then we'd all come together for the larger service. And during the service, they would have, you know, what was called the children's message where the kids would go up to the altar Mm -hmm. if they wanted and sit with the pastor for a short message. And our church was, you know, super small. So it would be a handful of kids at most, but, um, thoughts on that. It was something I hadn't really thought about. I knew I was missing. There was another church I attended where I really, we only had this space, believe it or not, I've attended a church that was in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. So we only had the space for so long on a Sunday morning before, you know, people Mm -hmm. were coming in. So it was like children's church and larger church was all at the same time, get it done, get out and move on with the day type of thing. Um, Did you have any thoughts about that? Was that her, like Bo's experience with church at, you know, her age similar? Can you relate? Yeah. And do you mean specifically to generations or... Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, again, um, faith was both sides of my family, the black side and the white side were very faithful people, different traditions, um, very faithful Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a, 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 over a theme growing up. And I just think that, um, I derived different influences from my white grandmother who played the organ, yeah. for example, and my black grandmother oh, cool. who, who in the church, uh, you know, who had a very different set of experiences, um, and their churches look vastly different. So when I was, I, I definitely can identify with the, everyone worships together. Sunday school is, you know, before or after, and you go, go to the front of the church for a mm-hmm. children's hour. I remember that as a very young girl. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think there's something really rich about having multi-generations worship together. I think it's important for our children to learn from us how to act in church. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that can be very intimidating for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I feel like I could relate to Bo's experience um, because <laughs> when she goes in and she's like, oh, I was just so enjoying it. And she says something about watching a woman who, who caught the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and she used some medical term for it. And, yes. and Denise was like, no child, that was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like I definitely, there's a certain amount of learning I did yeah. like Bo yeah. about different traditions, mm-hmm. um, probably more of the black, tradi- black church tradition because I grew up in, you know, um, white in the white church mostly. And mm-hmm. then she transitioned as mm-hmm. I got older. But so I think that's, what I could relate, just kind of taking it all in mm-hmm. and learning. And I think I have, when we talk about race in church, I think I have a fair amount of tolerance for, even though you go to church, you may not be the most open-minded racially speaking, yeah. you know, you, um, and I, fa- I guess I have a fair amount of tolerance for that. Um, not that I think it's great. I just think I, I've been around, so, worshiped around so many different kinds of people and in so many different kinds of environments 
Um, I just think that the church is a microcosm of our society. And so I think it is really interesting. Just like I study so many different institutions from a perspective of race, I just find it interesting how people behave Mm -hmm. um, and work out their um, biases and their assumptions Mm -hmm. with the over, with another, with a layer of faith. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It worked in there. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So yeah, talking multi-generational, but then also talking multi-racial is a whole different beast. You know, a lot of times I have found that when you're going to a quote-unquote multiracial church, it's often not really multiracial in terms of leadership. It's, it's right. a white church right. that's multiracial sprinkled in. <laughs> um, and there will be, you know, there's a lot of folks, and they've talked about this in that the podcast I was referencing, um, who, you know, get offended because it's like you're taking the um, the music from the Black church, some of the style from the Black church, and you're sprinkling in, but you're really not embracing right. all, and you're not right. it's still really inter- yes, yeah. intermixing, yeah. so to speak. And, you know, I was, it just reminded me I was on a mainstream. Creative- it's still mainstream with some influxes well of, and then what is mainstream what is well, mainstream is mainstream quote, unquote, considered white quote unquote mainstream what people would <laughs> right. be comfortable with is yes. mainstream yeah right? and so um yeah it's interesting i was on a creative leadership team at a, at a church i used to attend and we would have meetings with everyone in the in the music team the worship team and whatnot and one music director specifically talked about how there's different he the way he put it there's um how did he put it he said um that black and white people have you know we obviously know there's a difference in a lot of the worship Mm -hmm. styles but he said it's different sensibilities so to speak so i definitely feel felt that as a child and today can see it i see a little bit of the intermingling but like being in a white loop and i'm kind of like going all over the place in my Uh, my notes, sorry, (laughs) but, um, you know, being in a mostly white church, Lutheran church and the worship style was, it was an organ, if that, and no clapping was happening after, you know, the choir sang, or we sang a hymn. It was mostly from the hymns, Mm -hmm. you know, the hymn Mm -hmm. books, um, which I love that foundation of knowing hymns. Yes. Um, I do too. But the style, it's just like, let's keep it very traditional to the original <laughs> person that wrote this. Let's not change it up at all. Let's not add notes. Let's not remix it, right? Like, let's no just, it's going to right. stay exactly how it was originally written, <laughs> even though we are now in the 80s and 90s and, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was a huge distinction. I mean, my parents led worship. It would be an eight o'clock service and 11 o'clock service. And I remember the 11 o'clock service, we were allowed to clap. And we were allowed to have a little bit more instruments, like a tambourine. Like, I mean, a tambourine? (laughs) Well, the worship leader, not the, normally not in the, but yes, it's pretty, you know. (laughs) Well, you know, my parents were, they were a little bit, so they're not obviously the commune, Paul and Alicia, but they, you know, even in Brooklyn, like my mom was telling me in Queens, the Lutheran churches there were so diverse and oh. there were people like, oh yeah, so they had, you know, yeah, had the Holy <laughs> Ghost moments and all that. 
at the Lutheran Church in Queens was different than the Grand Rapids, Michigan Lutheran That's Church. That's fascinating. Yes. Right there. Yes. There is no way to extricate. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Culture and, and faith and religions. I mean, word yes. is word. I mean, yes. if you ask me, word is word and word yes. is stands. Yeah. But then there's the how we practice. Yeah. It it's has so a lot to do with the culture of people at the end of the day, um, for sure. It's fascinating. And, you know, and it also served Sunday mornings. Church served as our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter wrapped in one. We connected with all those closest to us in our community at the time. And we'd return Wednesdays for youth group and yep. Thursday for choir practice. And I remember wanting so badly for choir practice to end so I could get home for the Cosby show. Yes. <laughs> like having those moments. Yes. And um, I put but, gymnastics for the same reason. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the church was really our foundation, you know, for me growing up and now still today. And then, you know, one day as I'm getting older as a teenager, my moment kind of, of pulling my family was like, Let's leave, you know, at least I want to explore leaving this Lutheran church and I want to start worshiping with black and brown people. <laughs> like, it's just not, I felt like I was growing spiritually in a different direction. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, being the only black uh, family of color, biracial family in the church, just, it wasn't cutting it for me anymore. Yeah. And so um, it was exhausting, and I don't think I had the words to like, express all that. You probably didn't have freedom. You probably didn't have freedom no. either to be who you really felt like you were yes. authentically as a yes. person of faith, which is crazy. Yes. yes. Yeah. Even though faith to me supersedes race, mm -hmm. and that may be a controversial mm -hmm. statement, mm -hmm. how can race keep our faith, you know, mm -hmm. confined? Mm, right. Ooh. And it's, you know, and tradition, like, you and know, tradition. if you are, I mean, that was where this whole non-denominational non movement came from, I can right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we don't want to yes. stay within these rules of, you know, yeah, um, yeah the legalism and all yeah. of that part of it. But yeah. um, I really, you know, I went, like I said, I went to this, what I thought was a diverse church, but it really was white led. And mm -hmm. I had been to many, you know, black churches, um, visiting family or with family friends before. So I knew the differences. And I also felt though at the black churches growing up that I felt kind of like an oddball too. Yes. So yes. <laughs> there's that tragic mulatto story, right? <laughs> but, um, so it's, it's definitely a whole experience and it's in and of itself, um, and, but, you know, there are Black Lutheran churches I've come to find out, which is fascinating. I didn't know this until probably about 2018 because I saw this amazing, I've shared this before, this amazing documentary called The Time for Burning and where this white church, it's 1966, this white pastor of a white Lutheran church is trying to bring his congregation together with the Black Lutheran church down the street. And just even to have dinner, you know, and it's in Omaha, Nebraska, and there's just so much conflict around mm. that. And you can, you can look it up on YouTube. It's there. Um, but it's just, it's just interesting. You can't stereotype, so to speak, I guess the, the black church or the white church in terms of denomination. I mean, historically there are what I would deem as more white 
typical denominations, Mm -hmm. but I would be interested to know if there's listeners out there who grew up in what is deemed a historically white denomination and what that experience was like, maybe Lutheran or maybe Christian Reformed, I'm not sure, or maybe Methodist, that's not AME. Um, But it's Black run, Black organized, all of that. Be interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole study in and of itself, I guess. I think that says it all. (laughs) I mean, it's just something like that, making that, you know, delving into that story can Mm -hmm. say so much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think as I've grown, I've come to appreciate my experience because I feel now different than I did as a child growing up. Um, and probably just breaking away, you know, having so many more experiences now since being a child, but also breaking away from my family and, and their yes. tradition and kind of yes. my own family tradition. But I feel, you know, I'm able to praise God with beautiful music by Yolanda Adams and Tamala Mann and Mary Mary and Lauren Daigle yes. and Hillsong and Propaganda oh, Lauren the Daigle, Truth, yes. and Lecrae. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, so it's it's awesome to be able to do that. You know, I want to be able to um, enjoy, you know, pray, praising freely, yeah. having the freedom to do to do that. Yeah. And I think to your point about the non-denominational church, um, that is where I finally felt much more at ease. And mm-hmm. some of that's about being young and not knowing the rules about it, different, you know, um, different um, um traditions, mm-hmm. but I felt it very much dovetailed with me being a biracial person and not wanting to mm-hmm. put myself in any boxes mm-hmm. um, or to reject the box that people are trying to put me into. It felt like a really safe place, the non-denominational church mm-hmm. to yes. explore my faith yes. and to the point where I now belong to a church that is of a denomination, mm-hmm. but I don't even uh, notice or observe really um, the, the, the particular, the particular particularities of that, that denomination. I don't notice it so much and I just don't, it's not really part of my practice. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's definitely interesting. I mean, there, so, you know, and not to go too deep, just my little bit of knowledge of the experience that I had with the Lutheran church, knowing the history of it, breaking away from Catholicism, there are so many like little traditions that, Trace back to that. You know, trace back to that. Like, which is important. I was an acolyte, which is like yeah. wearing the robe and going up and lighting the candles yes. and assisting the pastor and ha- passing out communion, you know? And yeah. and that was a big, like, stepping stone right. as a child in the church, in the Lutheran church. Um, and you took a lot of responsibility. There was yeah. training in that. And there was all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know. Um, but what a great practice. And the reverence for communion, though. Like, learning yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. Like so many great foundational things, but I think traditionally those acolytes were only boys, like in the Catholic church. I don't even know if that's still the thing (laughs) today, but you know, for example, like that might be, that's the radicalness of the Lutheran church that kind of came out and sprung, (laughs) you know, there's so many different, everyone in their own way has like, I think I can, I can understand how these denominations were, um, implemented or mm-hmm. created but yeah. then somehow you end up getting stuck into the same way that you fought against yeah you know and it's like the same thing about how our country came to be it's like you're trying to leave this you know um oppression or whatever to come here to be free and then you end up oppressing 
you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something about, um, really quickly back to rainbow, um, oh, yeah. that I wanted to say was that I hope I don't forget my thought. Oh now. yeah. That show that we were talking about. <laughs> that, we, that, that episode. That we cover. <laughs> yeah. That show we cover. Um, oh, the way she moves with confidence through her faith, her exploration of faith. Mm-hmm. I feel like that we've kind of talked about it before when we talk about um, being bi- uh, biracial or multiracial is that sometimes there's a stigma attached to it because you are different, but it causes you, um, it becomes imperative that you flex your muscles and exploration mm-hmm. because there are so many worlds you're moving through oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like with Rainbow, mm-hmm. I love that she was like, yeah, let's just go to this. Baptist church that I've never been to before. And let me just embrace everything that's happening here. And I really feel like, again, for parents who may be listening to this, who are parenting biracial, multiracial children, um, allowing your child to explore their faith uh, or creating a safe, you know, mm-hmm. safety in that space to let them explore is going to make them a, a more confident person mm-hmm. and bring a lot of richness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't be afraid to let them explore beyond what your family may just know. Yeah. Such a good point because a lot of times I think, you know, um, being biracial there, you can feel like you're offending somebody, you know, as you're growing up, maybe like for some, it's a self-imposed thing, but it's a, it's a real thing, yeah. That happens, you know, because mm-hmm. you have the two cultures, and it's like I'm tr- you're trying to always give equality to both constantly. The media in your life, <laughs> so yeah. um, definitely agree with embracing that. Okay, so switching a little bit here to post Golden Globes, um, just have to shout out Andrew Day for her portrayal of Billie Holiday in the United States versus Billie Holiday. That's on Hulu, directed by Lee Daniels. Um, Just want to shout her out because she really, she fully embodied this role for sure. She lost about, I heard in an interview that she lost about 40 pounds for it. Um, You know, Billie Holiday was a drug addict and so she really wanted to portray this. And in real life, Andrew does not drink or smoke. And she started drinking and smoking for this role. Um, so <laughs> it's a lot. But it was, I saw this other post interview where it was Oprah and I believe the writer of the, the film were talking about the history of Billie Holiday and how, you know, Diana Ross depicted her in Lady Sings the Blues years ago, but there was so much of this part of the story that people didn't know. And I knew the song Strange Fruit, and I thought it was so um, amazing of a song for like the 1920s, like to be that forthright yeah. with that song. I mean, it's art. It's, it's art. Art is amazing how it pushes us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this particular, um, you know, writer was saying, you know, they the feds were not out to get Billy because she was on drugs. They were out to get her because they could not break her. And Mm. she was still, she was, she was black excellence and they couldn't break her. She was still, despite her upbringing, that was, I don't want to give away, but 
horrific. And despite them arresting her and spending time in jail and despite the drug addiction and despite a woman being, you know, abused and all these horrible things uh, and just being a black woman in the 1920s, she still was adored and loved by her audience and was so that successful and her voice was amazing. Yeah. So that reminds me of Sam Cooke. Because I just mm-hmm. watched a Sam Cooke documentary mm-hmm. and was just continued to be so grateful for how much more of these stories we're learning in mm-hmm. this time. I mm-hmm. mean, this is a, something that people probably in my dad's generation knew, but I didn't quite understand the conspiracy to 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 kill him um, yeah. um, because of again his excellence and wanting to own, wanting to to own, wanting to create a safe space, yeah, and to reject the mafia like grip on yeah. the um music industry right and bring more um you know ownership and uh power to black artists Mm um i I just i just imagine how much harder it's easy for us to say all these things now where we sit after the post black lives matter movement but i just yes um wonder what it was like trying to do that and make that spark that change at that time and be different in that time I never want to take for granted that there were people that literally could not even speak the word or look at someone white without getting beat (laughs) or killed. So it's like to actually comprehend that it's, it's Oh yeah. Oh, and and there are fathers. Yeah. Oh, and there are fathers is still alive. Yeah. Oh, they raised us. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, so just wanted to shout her out and rooting for her for the Oscar um highly encourage i mean it's a hard hard film to watch um and i also just want to give a disclaimer that for anyone who has faced any kind of abuse or sexual assault there are some hard um scenes to watch in in the film so anyways with that catch us on the next podcast make sure to send us a message if you're enjoying the podcast and we'll chat soon share 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 Mixed Life ATL is recorded in Atlanta, Georgia and produced by SDB360 LLC. We can be heard on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever mainstream podcasts can be found. For information on how to advertise your business on this podcast, please message us at mixlifeatl.com.